Okay, you guys, I do not care if you don't own Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency. You need to hear this episode of this podcast, okay? Even if you say, I'm never going to buy that stuff, I don't get it, because that's sort of me. Um, I need you to listen because it is a thing. All right. It is absolutely something that people are investing in that has the power to affect the stock market, because we actually saw a little bit of that last week. So you do need to educate. And it is so hard to wrap your mind around. And I'm speaking from personal experience. There's a lot I still don't understand. And I've been studying it since since the financial crisis, when it actually was created post 2008 disaster of the markets. So I thought, let me bring in somebody who can kind of square away this Bitcoin bulls fighting with the Bitcoin bears about whether we're in a Bitcoin bubble or whether any of this is legit. You know, it's important to get a voice of somebody who understands it. And it's best to try and bring in the youngins, right? I mean, it's quite incredible that this is very much a young person's game in many respects. And on the Claim and Countdown, we try always to bring everybody the latest on all the market moves. But the cryptocurrency issue has been a whole new and sometimes hard to understand ballgame. My guest today is a crypto influencer trying and working very hard successfully to educate Gen Z and, quite frankly, the rest of us about cryptocurrency, how to invest in it, how to understand it. Randy Hipper is her name, a.k.a. Miss Teen Crypto. She is a content creator and podcast host here to tell us why she believes not only in Bitcoin, but that Bitcoin equals freedom, financial freedom and more. Randy, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. Thank you for having me, Liz. It's an honor to be here, and I'm just really happy to be here talking with you. Okay, did you make up the Miss Teen Crypto thing, or is that really actually a title somewhere? <laughs> I actually made that up myself. <laughs> See, that's what I like about you. I, I met Randy last week at a big crypto conference, and I thought, you know, I like this kid because she looks you directly <laughs> in the eye, whereas most most people your age are staring at screens and the phones, and they can't look an adult in the eyes or whatever. But I like you because... You are communicating with everybody and you're very big on educating people about crypto and something tells me you're going to really help a lot of our listeners here. Uh, I want to reach back to when you were first introduced to crypto. You were 13 years old. What year was that? And tell me about it. That was six years ago. So six years ago, that's 2016. So super early in the crypto space. I was introduced by my father. So he's been involved in the crypto space for the past six years. He was trying to tell me about this, Liz, and I wasn't having any of it. I was 13. <laughs> I was ignorant. There wasn't much adoption, to be fair. Not like now where there's a lot of content out there, games surrounded by Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So I pretty much ignored him for the first three years of hearing about it. I just thought it was for adults, people people in finance, I really didn't think I could do anything with it until I was 16. And I finally sat down with my father and did my first Bitcoin transaction and saw how easy it was. All you have to do is scan a QR code, copy and paste an address, and anyone anywhere in the world with an internet connection can send and receive payments instantly. Okay, but hold on. What was the price when you were 16? And how did you do this? I don't even remember the price when I was 16. It was definitely below 
7k i believe okay so um like it, it it was it was a very low price i don't even remember the price to be honest because it was so long ago there's been so much price action but um like i said before there really wasn't much adoption um especially when i started pushing it i know for sure when i was 17 pushing it in high school and telling my teachers about it i it was definitely around 7k but randy you know you say all it was so easy i just scanned a qr code and then uh, okay you lost me at scanned because <laughs> because the problem I have with crypto, and believe me, I understand it and I accept it. Unlike, say, for example, J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon, who has absolutely been very clear saying Bitcoin is a fraud. Uh, I don't look at it that way. However, it's very hard for me to wrap my mind around looking at something that is a string of numbers and letters and a line of code as actual money. Can you, in the simplest of terms, explain to our listeners why it is actual money? It's digital cash. You know, when you think of technology and the way things have changed over the past years for how we talk to people, we, we don't have pay, pen pals anymore. We just text people. We FaceTime people. The only thing that really hasn't changed is money. We Paper money, it's only about time that it goes digital in some way, shape, or form. Now, Bitcoin, it's something that you trust in because it's code. It's numbers. that Something that nobody can refute. Nobody can, I guess, tamper, right? So Bitcoin cryptocurrency, it's something that you can trust, and it's technology that nobody can basically tamper with. Well, what made you want to educate Gen Z about investing in crypto? Because it is almost, and I, I know that crypto acolytes and fanatics say it's a currency, but it fluctuates very dramatically in price. So to me, it looks a lot in certain ways, like a, a momentum stock of sorts. And therefore, you know, you buy it at one price and then it can spike dramatically. I mean, in November, we had it at 69000 per coin. That was the all-time high. And today, just a few months later, it's around 30000 It's holding that 30000 And And as I study up on this, I'm told that's a very important level to hold. But talk to me about how you decided you wanted to educate Gen Z about investing in crypto as you yourself were learning about it, too. Well, besides investing, you have to take in the part that it is digital cash. It's not only an asset you hold, but it's something that you can transfer, which is different than any other asset out there. But the investing side of things, I think it's a it's a great way to think of it as a digital gold, a savings account. For example, when I was around 16, I saw since I was 13 that I still had the same $200 in my bank account. It mm. died in earned interest. The number didn't, the, oh, that number always stayed the same. Right. And I saw that my purchasing power was going down versus if I had put that in Bitcoin, this is an appreciative asset that I can hold for a long time if I don't plan on using it. And it it is something I can move around. So it it definitely is mm -hmm. a solution. And, you know, when I was, like I said, when I was 17, first getting into the space, Bitcoin was around 7,000. It was under 10K. And where it is now, I'm not, I'm not even upset about the price movement. If you're in this type of asset, you have to expect volatility. Absolutely. Um, that said, I, I need to ask you about the beginning, you know, when you started proselytizing about this and preaching about it, not everybody was very supportive of your mission to educate people. Tell me what your high school principal told you. 
Well, my high school principal wasn't exactly supportive at the beginning. He just kind of brushed it off. I did have teachers come up to me telling that telling me that Bitcoin was a Ponzi scheme and to get out of it immediately. They weren't a fan of my social media. But what I found ironic about that was that it was educators that weren't doing the education for themselves and were speaking out about this topic to me when Ooh. I could have easily educated them at, the, at that moment. Um, but I did offer them the education. A few months later, less than a year later, I did return to my high school to teach two investing courses about Bitcoin. And my high school principal, my former high school principal, is now very supportive. Oh, well, see, I like people who allow themselves to learn and and to evolve in that regard. Uh, I think it is quite fascinating that, you know, when you talk about Bitcoin at the moment, it is so confusing for people who say, well, what's the strategy How do I strategize about investing in it? Well, the best way I feel is dollar cost averaging. This is buying periodically, whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, up to you. No matter what the price is, to just buy periodically and stick with that plan. Honestly, the people that do that end up being the winners versus the traders that try to just buy, try to spot the market. And you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. I don't want people to say, well, I can't afford a $30,000 investment <laughs> in a single coin. You can buy slices of it, correct? Absolutely. You could buy as little as $1 of Bitcoin. Think of it as you going to the airport in a new country and swapping your U.S. dollars for the native currency of that country. It's the same thing just with digital currencies. But what about all of this? Oh, I forgot my password and I can never get my Bitcoin back. That scares people, Randy. Indeed, it does. Uh, But there is a responsibility with dealing with cryptocurrencies and being your own bank, which means that you have to once you download a wallet, you get 12 to 24 randomly generated words that are called recovery phrases. You write these seed phrases down or recovery phrases down and you keep them completely offline and you make multiple copies. But with every, you know, whether that's your social security number or your banking information, there is a responsibility there to keep that offline and safe. The same will apply to cryptocurrencies. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. What do you say to billionaire, very smart guys like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, who, of course, Berkshire Hathaway told me flat out that Bitcoin is rat poison? I would say to them that they need to take a little bit more time and do some education and what is coming. We know that, like I said before, technology is changing at a rapid pace and it only makes sense for money to go digital. And it might not be the way they envision it with, you know, a centralized authority, but it is something that's needed. And a lot of people on both sides of the aisle are gravitating towards you at this point. Well, yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions. What do you think is the biggest misconception about cryptocurrency in general? The biggest misconception is that it's used for illicit activities when less than 1% of cryptocurrency transactions are used for nefarious activities. You know what I love about that? People go on and on saying, oh, it's for ransomware. Excuse me. (laughs) Since the beginning of time, the U.S. dollar has been laundered, used as drug money, has been used in ransom. So what are they talking about? You know, I'm not the biggest supporter of of all crypto because, look, you saw what happened with stablecoins a week ago. Stablecoins, for those of you who don't know, are supposedly, quote, stable because they're supposed to be pegged to the dollar. But two of them, Terra and Luna, about a week ago, got 
completely turned upside down for whatever reason, because they're algorithmic and it's just almost too difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Maybe you can. And they fell below a dollar per uh, stable coin. So, I mean, I get that, but it, it made me laugh because it was like, who are you guys kidding? This is this is just like the dollar. It's just a modern version of currency. I mean, do I have that right? I mean, it's way different than the dollar. Speaking Bitcoin specifically Mm -hmm. with the limited cap that there's only going to be 21 million and that it's transparent. Every single transaction that Bitcoin that someone does with Bitcoin can be seen, which is something that you can't do with the U.S. dollar. What happens when they hit the 21 million, which are generated how by whom and where, Randy? So Bitcoin are generated or created by miners and miners are people set up all around the world with computers and the computers are basically doing the mining. They're there's just like how someone has to mine with an ax into the earth to get gold. Mm-hmm. With Bitcoin, these computers are sell, are digging, which is their version of solving complex math algorithms in order to mine one block on the blockchain. And with every block, there's a reward. So right now, if a miner were to block a mine full block, excuse me, you would get 6.25 Bitcoin for that. So basically, Bitcoin is created by the people, which is why it's so, so important that that there's a community with Bitcoin. It's not one person, not one centralized authority creating it, uh, controlling the supply. This is a community. This is a world global effort. Do you buy things with Bitcoin yet? Honestly, I bought a few things with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, not doing that anymore, just because I want to accumulate as much as I can. This is a crucial, crucial time to get as much Bitcoin as you can. Of course, not financial advice, but Mm -hmm. there is only 21 million Bitcoin out there and clearly not everyone's going to get one Bitcoin. So you got to stack all you can. Let me challenge you on one thing. There's something like more than 14,000 different tokens. Anybody can create a crypto token. I mean, you saw it after Squid Game. A Squid Game token was was created, and then somebody absconded with all the money. I mean, you're just not intelligent if you, you get sucked into something like that. But how do you tell the difference, and what do you say to somebody like me who says, I mean, anybody can create these things? As always, you have to DYOR, do your own research. That's priority, whether and that's in the stock market, whether you want to buy Amazon or Facebook stock, you have to look into it and see if that's something you believe in and you choose to buy it. That's the same thing with cryptocurrencies. Of course, you have to look into the founders, the team and assess it for yourself. But of course, there's always going to be things that get shaken out and there will be survivors. But that's the same thing that could go on in traditional markets as well. Lately, it sure looks like Bitcoin has been heavily tied to declining stock markets. Uh, I, Or at least it moves almost in lockstep with stock markets. We had a rally today. Bitcoin was up today. Uh, how do you separate in your mind Bitcoin from stocks? Well, you have to, a famous quote I like to say is when in doubt, zoom out on the yearly chart of Bitcoin. Um, If you look back to 2020, when stocks were getting crushed, Bitcoin was going the other way. So you have to look yearly and not at the short term of volatility and pricing with the traditional markets. Um, That's not what Bitcoin was made for. And, you know, in the long term, it will not trade with the the traditional stock market. Do you think that this recent 
I want to call it an earthquake or a volcanic explosion of sorts <laughs> that scared a lot of people away from cryptocurrency, which was this situation with the stable coins breaking below a dollar per coin, which is what they were originally supposed to be, was one for one. Do you think that it's going to take a long time for people to come back and start investing in it again? And, you know, they call that the crypto winter, where there are a couple of years or so between big moves in Bitcoin that we've seen in the past. I don't really think anyone left. I think if anyone left the crypto space, it was people that weren't experienced. There were people like Charlie Lee, creator of Litecoin, that were speaking out months before this happened with USD, UST, stating that it really wasn't going to work out. And people that um, knew about algorithmic stable coins knew the risk of it. So mm -hmm. a lot of people that left the space just weren't were new. So it, it's a learning experience for everybody, especially people that didn't know about this. But it is different from Bitcoin and uh, people that are just comparing the two, you can't do that. <laughs> do you only own Bitcoin or do you look at Litecoin or XRP, anything like that? Um, I am an owner of, of Litecoin as well. Uh, I do look into other coins as well. I'm not a maximalist. Um, I do feel as though there are uh, other projects that do solve other problems. What's the difference between Bitcoin and Litecoin? That's a great question. There's not much uh, to be differentiated with. Litecoin is basically a faster Bitcoin with four times the supply. Bitcoin has 21 million or will have 21 million. Bitcoin will have 84 million and it's faster and it's extremely cheap to use. Bitcoin might be a few dollars to transact. Litecoin is a cent or less to transact and it's instant. So it's basically a faster and cheaper Bitcoin. There also uh, um, a new thing that came out on Litecoin is MWeb. Uh, this is Mimblewimble technology that's actually adding fungibility to Litecoin and adding privacy. So okay, that's well, Wait, that's really wait, wait. Hold on. You don't get to throw out nimble wimble. Wait, what is that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so actually, this just came out a few days ago. I'm going to have Charlie Lee on my podcast tomorrow to actually discuss this. Oh, wow. MWeb is nimble wimble technology. The best way I could articulate it is that it adds privacy and fungibility to Litecoin. So let's say you transact with Litecoin right now. Mm -hmm. You could see if I sent you some Litecoin, you would be able to see all the transactions I've had in the past, as well as how much Litecoin I hold in my wallet, because that's the transparency of the blockchain. But with this technology, you're able to hide that amount that's in your wallet. So let's say I go buy something at Dunkin' Donuts, like a coffee. They can't see everything that's in my account. Just like how if you were to go buy a coffee with your debit card, they wouldn't have to know everything that you're doing in the background as well with your finances. Miss Teen Crypto. You know, I, I want to I end this by going back to where we started, and that's with your dad. It made me laugh when you said, you know, I just looked at my dad like, oh, this is for older people and I'm not interested. <laughs> Meantime, I'm sitting there saying this is for younger people and Gen Zers because I'm too old and I don't understand it. Tell me about your dad, what he does and how he got into Bitcoin. So he was into carpentry and construction. Right now he's living that crypto life. But previous to that, he was in construction and he found a podcaster on Facebook talking about this Bitcoin. And he thought it was a physical coin until he did a little bit of research and found out <laughs> what it was and how it was really just going to change everything. He had that light bulb moment as well, which is why he was so eager to share it with me and press me about it for three years until I finally took note. Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> All right. Final question. Fast forward to 10 years. You're going to have to change your name because you won't be a teen anymore. So you'll be Ms. Something Crypto. But forward to 10 years from now, 
how are we going to be using Bitcoin? Honestly, we have yet to tell Liz because we have so many countries wanting to step in and use Bitcoin as legal tender. So this is a really interesting opportunity. Will every every country end up using Bitcoin as legal tender? I think a lot of people will be using Bitcoin as legal tender, but people will want to save their Bitcoin. And we're going to probably be looking into the next cryptocurrency that could be used as currency. But I do think a lot of people will be using Bitcoin for peer-to-peer transactions for a long time until a lot of people really digest cryptocurrency and learn about what's out there more than just Bitcoin. Because a lot of people right now are thinking that all of crypto is just Bitcoin. And when you hear grownups or okay boomers, (laughs) let's put it that way, (laughs) say that that thing is going to zero. What do you say to that? I just say that they have to do their own research and that the next generation of money is Bitcoin. And I will say this. When the internet first started, I was in Boston and my boyfriend, who's now my husband, uh, said to me, I'm going to order flowers online for my mom for Mother's Day. And I said, you're crazy. You'll never see that money again. How do you do that? And they don't even know. Wait, where are they? Who? Where? Where is it based? And how do they know to get her there? Like, I could not wrap my mind around it. And I thought he was such an idiot for doing this. And there was a little he did it. There was a little snafu. They delivered it to the wrong house. And I said, see, what did I tell you? And he looked at me and he said, no, no, it eventually got there. This is new. It's going to be so much bigger. And when you talk to guys like Tim Draper, whom both you and I know, who is definitely a grown-up, he's in his 60s and he's invested a lot in cryptocurrency and absolutely believes in Bitcoin, he says, Liz, I'm a venture capitalist. I can see this is going to be the way we all transact. So I, uh, I'll be waiting and watching as we move forward, and good luck to you. Randy, thank you so much for trying to educate our, our listeners, and I, I bet you a lot of them learned something from you today. Thank you so much, Liz. It was a pleasure being here and speaking with you again. I hope we see each other soon. Randy Hipper, absolutely. And uh, okay, you guys, did I help you at all? I'm still a little bit confused, but less so because <laughs> when she, see, she's laughing, because when she explains some of this, You know, you have to have that kind of vision. And remember when people said, oh, one day you won't be using cash, you'll be using little plastic cards. And a lot of people said, no way. And then it was, you won't be sending mail anymore. You'll be faxing. There wasn't even a word for faxing. Don't don't fight evolution. Do your research. You don't have to dive in. You may remain skeptical. That would just be the smart thing to do for any type of investment. But don't. Don't be looking backwards when the future is in front of you and, you know, take what you want, reject what you want from somebody like Randy. But there is something to learn here. I I mean, I do believe that. Is it bad that I've never sensed a fax? <laughs> Before you make me feel even older, Randy, have a great day and thanks for coming on. And thank you for tuning in once again to Everyone Talks to Liz. I will see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business. Have a great day.